You're listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Podcast with Chris and Susan Beasley. Hi, it's Chris and Susan Beasley here with Living the Retirement Lifestyle, our web show and podcast where we have some amazing guests come and join us. They're either friends that we've known and developed friendships with over the years or entrepreneurs with a fantastic story. And today we have a combination of both. Uh, we have as our special guest, and I will introduce you to him in just a moment. His name is Ray Newland. Now, he and I do have something in common. Our birthdays are on the same day and month of the year, the 19th of July. And we looked him up and he nearly, nearly qualifies for our Retiree Entrepreneur Club, but he has to wait another year. <laughs> you have to be 50, right? You have to be 50 <laughs> to join that club. Um, I'm going to get him to share his story, but let me just give you a little brief introduction. He is a former English pro football goalkeeper, um, but he's more than that. And sadly, he had one of those trigger points happen in his life, just as many of us do, um, finishing his career age 28. Now, the one thing we think that holds his claim to fame, which is quite amusing um, and which is recorded on Wikipedia, so you can go and check it out, is that he unofficially broke the Guinness World Book of Records for having 147 best men at his wedding in 2014, all of whom were his current goalkeeper students at the time. So without further ado, may we introduce you to our guest today, who is Mr. Ray Newland. Hi, Ray. Hi, guys. Fantastic to be here. And thank you for that amazing introduction. <laughs> and, you, and you reminded me about that crazy wedding that we had in 2014. That's the thing. I think everybody has a story. And I think it's nice little things like that where you really get to know the heart of someone. But on our, our show, and why, why we um, asked you if you would come by and share your story with, with us and our viewers and listeners is having met you some years ago when you attended one of our events, um, we got to know you and Paula and the family really well and we've watched your travels over the years and what you've been doing. And I think you're hugely inspirational to people who are in the pro sports business world who actually don't actually think about what's going to happen when they retire at whatever age they retire. So I'm going to hand the mic over to you so as to speak and let you share a little bit of your story how you got into entrepreneurship after football and some words, words of wisdom for our listeners and viewers. Well, I'll certainly try my best, guys. Uh, my, now, my hobby's talking, as you both know, so I'll, <laughs> I'll, try, I'll try and keep this to the intro to about three to four hours long. If that's, <laughs> that's all right. That's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, guys, so, so obviously my name is Ray Newland, so I appreciate for that introduction. Uh, I'm uh, originally from Liverpool uh, in the UK, England. Uh, my dream was obviously to become a professional goalkeeper. So from the age of probably 11 years of age, that's when I started on the mission uh, to become a professional goalkeeper. Certainly wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Come from a very rough housing estate in Norris Green. We called it Nogsy Green. Uh, but uh, even though we, we was a, obviously we come from a poor background, I actually never felt sort of poor because my mum and dad, even though they never had much, you know, uh, like any, well, like most working class parents, they try to give the best for the children. And that's what my mum and dad 
did for myself and that's what I believe helped carry me on into adult life. Anyway, long story short, it took me seven years, eight years and I eventually achieved my dream to become a professional goalkeeper. I had many people tell me that I wasn't good enough. Uh, like obviously you get the negative motivators in this world and it's something I'll speak about in a moment, Neg negative motivators. Uh, always unintentionally motivated me to success. Now, now consciously they motivate me to success. But after eight years of trying to become a professional goalkeeper and getting told I was no good by everybody, uh, lo and behold, to get signed by Peter Shilton, who was the player manager of Plymouth Argyle. Now, Peter Shilton, for people that don't know, is the most capped goalkeeper in English history. So the most successful goalkeeper in English history. And he was my manager. So eight years of people telling me that I was not good enough. And then you get, obviously, the most successful goalkeeper in history, in English history, probably actually uh, globally, uh, you know, think I was good enough to be signed professionally. Obviously, all of a sudden I realised, oh, Don, I was right and everyone else was wrong. So that gave me fantastic inspiration and obviously belief in myself. So I was professional for, for 10 years as a goalkeeper, uh, uh, played in front of many thousands of people. Unfortunately for me, I was sponsored by Red Cross when I played. I was always injured. <laughs> uh, I got too many injuries uh, for me. Um, I think every season I, I got injured. As I say, I used to send me, I used to send myself get well cards because uh, I was I used to feel sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, in the professional game, as most people, professional athletes will tell you, if you're injured, you know, there's an amazing saying. I'm just going to digress. There's an amazing saying that to be a, a top athlete, yeah, it's ability, but you've also got to be a, a lucky athlete as well. And I believe, yeah, you need ability. It's 90% is mindset, which I'll speak about that again in a moment. But you need a lot of luck. Um, and uh, for myself, obviously, unfortunately for me, you know, every season I got injured and it catches up. You know, you, you can't be injured all the time because, you know, you're competing with the 1% of the 1%. But I managed for 10 years, had an amazing 10 years as a professional. But those 10 years being injured, um, that's what I believe set me up for entrepreneurship after my career finished because I was always thinking, oh my goodness me, if I don't get a contract at the end of the season, I'm screwed. Pardon me, French guys, because when I played, it wasn't like it is now where you get a, a, a three, four year contract and you can be made for life. When I, was, when I played many years ago, 98%, 99% of professional football players, you know, they got like a one year deal. And yeah, it was a good, it was a good wage, but it was a good average man's wage. But like, you know, like most footballers, if you, you know, if once your wage stopped within three months, you, you know, you'd be looking how to pay your mortgage. So for me, as I say, yeah, uh, you know, I eventually caught up with me at 28 years of age. I got injured and that's when my career sort of finished and he ended up broke in debt and living in rented accommodation with my wife and my two children. Got three children now. So it was a massive wake up call. And again, a lot of professional athletes will probably think like me where you think I'm going to play professional until I'm 65 years of age, and at 28 years of age, I realised, wow, okay, I should have had another iron in the fire. So that's sort of where my career ended. Wow. The entrepreneurial path sort of began. So, yeah. I mean, we, we know, obviously, because we've spoken and we know how well you've done. I mean, how, how did you think about starting Just For Keepers? I mean, for everyone who doesn't know how successful you have been since retiring from the sports world, so as to speak. I mean, I read that it's actually one of the largest goalkeeper academies in the world now. I mean, that's pretty incredible for someone who finished his career and then was broke. That takes a lot of mindset. Yeah, and it's the biggest in the world, so I just want to let you know. Uh, <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually the biggest goalkeeping schools of the world in, in the time of obviously chatting with yourselves. 
but actually all went back to wanting to give back really and I think you know a lot you know a lot of the entrepreneurs that I've met over the years uh, the ones that are hugely successful are the, are the ones not chasing money even though we all need to earn an income it's the ones that are chasing uh, you know to, to, to best serve people so as a professional goalkeeper I always voluntary coached uh, the children at the academies that I, I, that I that I used to play professionally for, apart from Wigan Athletic, every other club I, I, I voluntary coached the children. Uh, so when I come out and I was, I said I was injured, I was broke, I was in debt, I ended up getting a dead end job, which was actually packing blood for a living, uh, which wasn't exciting, uh, tell me. So, uh, but to me, you know, it wasn't the packing blood for a living, wasn't the, and this was a, a, the next wake up call for me, to be honest with you guys. But so uh, having a dead end job, uh, you know, doing 12 hours a day. I went from playing in front of thousands of people every week on a decent income to, you know, earning hardly anything and working 12 hours a day, uh, you know, in a job that never inspired me. It's not that I never, I wasn't bothered working hard. I wasn't bothered in the wage drop. To me, what was soul destroying is I always wanted to achieve things in life. And I don't mean to be disrespectful to my newfound work colleagues. A lot of the majority of them had never tried to achieve anything in their lives, to be honest with you. And I was like, oh my goodness me, how have I ended up here? Um, but what was a turning point for me? Because my wife, Paula, was always saying to me, look, Ray, you go do, you need to do, you know, uh, you, you need to go and coach again because she knew I loved coaching. I was like, no, I'm done with football. You know, I got, I actually got offers to, to coach professionally. Uh, with a, a few professional clubs. And I was like, no, I'm done with football because I was still sort of bitter and twisted that I, I got injured and I didn't want to be put in that position again. But again, quickly, funny story. Well, it, it wasn't funny then, but it might be now. But these pack bags of blood that you used to pack, it was like being in Tesco's. So like the blood would come and you go, you know, like barcode, like beep, and then put it in a box. Yeah. Put it in a box. And that's all we did all day. Very mundane. I put these bags of blood like this, they were pressurized. So if you touched them, they would explode. So one day uh, I was packing, going a bit too fast, and I actually dropped a bag of blood. So my instinct as a football player or an ex-football player was to actually flick the bag of blood back up to catch it. But anyway, it exploded with the biggest bang you've ever heard in your life. The whole lab, uh, you know, everyone, including myself, just got covered in blood. I think it was A plus, if you can remember, <laughs> or a, I think it was A plus blood, if you can remember it rightly. And then I didn't realise there was a clause in our contract that if you dropped the bag of blood, you had to stay till the very end until every bit was scrubbed off. So I actually think it was like five or six hours after my time had finished. So I'd done six hours overtime, unpaid, because I dropped this bag of blood and it was exploded over everybody. Uh, I never I never ate up sauce for about six months afterwards, guys. <laughs> and then that was it. I went back to my wife and I was like, I've got to do something. I said, I can't be doing this with my life, I said. Um, and the reason why I started just to keep us also called J4K uh, is, yeah, so it's, it's, a lot of people call it J4K for short. Uh, when as a, Going back to be, trying to become a professional goalkeeper, there was nowhere for a young goalkeeper to be to get professionally coached. You had to go to like to Liverpool or Manchester United or Chelsea. And at the time, these academies used to t uh, treat the, the, the young children pretty poorly, to be honest with you. Uh, it's like it was like a conveyor belt. They've got a much better as, as time's gone by. So all I wanted to do was create an environment where a young goalkeeper could go and get professionally coached uh, by obviously someone like myself who'd been professional for 10 years. And over, over, a 10 -year, over a 10 year period as a professional, I was coached by five 
international goalkeepers, Peter Shilton, Neville Southall, Gordon Banks, the legend Gordon yeah. Banks. Wow. <laughs> a few. So I've got like, let's say, so these goalkeeping coaches were absolute legends, Joe Corrigan, uh, Peter Benetti, who sadly just died. So I've, I've obviously had a lot of experience to pass on to young children. So I just wanted to create an environment where children didn't have to go cap in hand to professional football clubs and get treated like SHIT. Not all clubs did that, but going back 20 years ago, a lot of clubs did. Uh, I say, thankfully, now it's all changed. Um, and that's how it all started. I just wanted to basically give young goalkeepers an opportunity that I never had growing up. And I started all voluntary, did it for free. Uh, but as things progressed, uh, I always knew that I would have my own business, even though when I was packing blood for a living, I, I just never knew it was goalkeeping. Because for me, goalkeeping coaching was always something I did for free. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But again, as I say, a very, very quick long story short. Very, sorry, yeah, probably see back in start again. Uh, and the reason why I went from being voluntary to non-voluntary is a very good friend of mine who has had a very successful sports uh, coaching business. He said, look, Ray, if you want to achieve the what you want to achieve for young goalkeepers, you've got to charge because you'll never be respected if you do it voluntary. And it took me about three months to charge one pound per week, believe it or not. Uh, I was sweating doing that, but I started with one pound and I realized straight away, as soon as you start charging people, uh, you are a lot more respected because people are paying you. Uh, they value you a lot more. And then it's obviously just grew from there. And it did that one time, just to keep it, went into 37 countries. Uh, and then, but I've peeled it back slightly because it was getting, it was getting too big to manage. Uh, and as I say, at the time of writing, that's uh, not writing, at the time of talking, sorry guys, uh, as I say, we've coached 12 or 50,000 goalkeepers across 30 plus countries, across five continents, and we've helped, we've helped more goalkeepers achieve their dreams to get to professional clubs than any other similar organisation uh, in history. So it's something that I'm very proud of. Well, that's amazing. That's, a, that's it's an incredible amazing. achievement. And I picked up on something you said there that I think is really valuable, is about giving value first to earn recognition so that it's in it's appropriate to charge afterwards and we know we've fallen into this pit big time before, give too much all the time because we give an awful lot but we can look back now 10 years in our journey and say was it worth while doing that and absolutely yes because we have a very good reputation for being trustworthy and having great integrity and i think you know, that really pinpointed in your story of, of how you went from doing the free coaching to doing paid for coaching and then creating an amazing brand and business out of that, that, you know, is your legacy pretty much, you know, um, and I know you're, you're doing more now. I mean, I think you help entrepreneurs now, don't you create their own sporting brand? Is that right? Yeah, so what's happened is um, over the past few years, guys, I say it's like with, with Just for Keepers, it's sort of its own entity now. And a lot of the coaches who are actually franchised, well, when I say franchise, it's actually a license. I've actually licensed Just for Keepers out um, many years ago now. Uh, so I think it was like 12, 13 years ago, I started licensing J4K. And 
the majority of the goalkeeping coaches have been with me since day one. So they sort of know what they're doing now, to be honest with you. So I just sort of keep, you know, obviously, I obviously keep J4K ticking in terms of obviously the markets and side of things, etc. Uh, but like most entrepreneurs, you get itchy and, you know, you, you, you want to do other things. So obviously one of the things that I wanted to do was one of the goals was to emigrate, uh, which obviously we spoke about that before. So I actually emigrated to the United States, lived there for 15, 16 months, seeing another way how entrepreneurs did things over there. So come back with open eyes. Uh, I also wanted to be an author. So I've, I've actually wrote seven books now, guys, all on self-help. And Wow, brilliant. Success traits. So I've got a book series out there. So for me, and that's how it all started with my books. Because for, I, 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 even as a professional goalkeeper, I, I always used to write with a pen. I used to do old stories. I never used to show it to anybody. Certainly, never used to show it to the other players because I would have got I would have got a lot of stick. That was just the way football football was. Where uh, so I always wanted to become a writer. So uh, I've actually wrote a, a book called How to Become a Professional Goalkeeper, which has had over ten thousand downloads now. Wow! wow. Congratulations! That's again, amazing. Again, that's all free. Don't that, that's a free download. But the other books on self help and on success traits, uh, they're on on Amazon. So obviously, they sell them on Amazon. And basically, where the books come from is all the success traits that I used to become a professional goalkeeper, you know, discipline, visualization, you know, how to handle failure, you know, how to fail your way to success, et cetera, how to, set career, how to become a goal achiever, not a goal setter, because most people sadly are just goal setters, not goal achievers. So all these success traits that helped me become a professional goalkeeper, I was unintentionally, I moved them into my business and that's what helped me build just for keepers across the globe. And then it was a few years ago when I started reading the books. So I was like, hold on a minute, I've got so much more to, to, to help people. So the, again, I've been doing a lot of it for free uh, over, the, over the last couple of years uh, in terms of obviously teaching people how to become entrepreneurs. So one of the things like what you said now, Surya, is now I, I teach uh, sports entrepreneurs, current sports athletes. So it, it, anyone who's enthusiastic about sports, whether they're, a current professional or semi-professional uh, athlete, whether they're in a job, but they want to, uh, they're in a job in sport, but they then want to move into a business in sport, whether they're currently in a sports business or they could be a sports enthusiast. They could be a dentist, for example, hates dentistry, but they actually love playing golf and they would love to know how to turn their, uh, their passion of golf into a sports business. So that's where I'm going into now with obviously this new website and new business called Inspire Me Sports and also Beyond Pro Sports as well. Uh, and that's all about, pardon the pun, that's about how to kick off uh, over the next few weeks. It's absolutely brilliant. When I, when I think back to when we met you, I think it was about five years ago, um, and can you reached out to us for some, some help and training with marketing and how to put your brand and stuff together because you had all the ideas there. And all we did was point you in the right direction. And, and it's just for us, it's fantastic seeing your success and being able to celebrate your success today mm. on this podcast and web show. And I think, you know, because we, at the time of, of recording this, we are in 2020 and we're July 2020. We are in the world in the middle of an incredible, unprecedented chaos and crisis caused by um, this virus, this COVID-19 virus. And we can't really end this show without mentioning that and the effect that obviously it's had in the sporting world. I mean, every event that we see from Wimbledon to, to 
you know, football, football to create tr- cricket. To back again. It, you know, it's changed completely. I mean, how important do you think, because of that, that it is that sports professionals should be thinking now about the potential of their future yeah. versus just plodding on as they have been? Well, on that one, I, I, I'll come to that. I'll answer that question in a moment, Sue, about obviously how important sports professionals put an income in place now before it's too late. But I don't think it's just sports professionals that have now woke up. I think it's probably 99% of people. Now, I'm not going to go all political. I, you know, I, I don't vote, so to be honest with you, anything like that, to be honest with you, because I, I actually think whoever gets in charge, they all mess up, to be honest with you. They, they, <laughs> Very true. <laughs> They, you know, you know, they're not there to look after the people. They're there to look after themselves. Um, and a lot of people now, you know, and I'll, I'll come back and answer your question about sports, Sue. But I think a lot of people now, even in jobs who, at one time, you know, they would have passed the lie detector test to say, hey, the government's there for us. The government's always going to be there to, to look after us. It's been a massive wake-up call because obviously, with what the government's done, again, I know they can't help the pandemic, etc. But they've basically screwed so many people's lives up. Uh, you know, again, you know, in hindsight, would it be different? I don't know. You know, obviously, that's something everyone had their own opinion on. But I think, you know, what I'm definitely seeing now and hearing is that a lot of people who are like, you know, do it content to have a job for the rest of their life. And actually, this is just my my girlfriend's uh, boyfriend. Uh, so soon to be married, they've been together for six or seven years now. He had a very good job with a. Uh, a, car, a very very famous car manufacturer and he was in a decent paid job for more or less for life or, or he thought and he's just gone you know what he's literally just resigned from his job because of the pandemic and because of what's happening because he's realized now as a lot of people are realizing guys and this is where used to are going to be so important to so many people uh, is that the government's not going to look after you and these people who've been deluded all their lives that the government actually cares for you and they're going to look after you, look after you, uh, you know, especially in your retirement. They've now come to the realization, oh my goodness me, you know what I mean? It's like the government's not going to look after this. It's down to me to look after myself and my family. And there's a lot of people now are going maybe self-employed, but a lot of people now are saying, you know what, I need to now control my own finances in terms of retirement, whether that's property, you know, that you know, something that they can control because. They're realising now, if you give it to the government to control, they're just going to take it off you. Uh, and yeah, you know, happened to my sister, you know, I think a couple of years ago when uh, the, she was about to reach 60 and, you know, she worked all her life and she's about to get a retirement. And then the government, hey, one day, it's now 65. So she's, I think she's 65 this year or next year. So she'll eventually get a pension, but she's had to live off her husband's pension for five years with no income. And she's paid into the system until she's exactly the same. I know that. I think it's an absolute travesty, but I'm not going to go into that on this because it would would go on for hours. But you're right. I mean, we call it the retirement conspiracy. Um, and, And I think a lot of people, because of the pandemic, have really woken up to that. And they're looking at other avenues and, and you know, the, the internet, they've discovered the internet is a powerful mode of buying. And yes. you can work so, from home. So if you can buy on the internet, why can't you sell on the internet? And, you know, there, there are so many different opportunities. We're having people ask us all the time, but, you know, we'll only teach what we know. Um, we won't try and teach people something that we don't work in ourselves, but we'll refer them to somebody who does. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, 
I'm I'm 65 this month and I'm so annoyed that I don't get my pension that I have worked all my life for and I have to wait another year and a bit just because I'm a woman and that that we're not going to go there so answer my other question for me that that you said you would come back to definitely well very quickly something you just mentioned as well so as one of the things that I do as well is actually teach people how to sell online with their own sports product as well so selling online now i mean i've been doing it for 10 years that's something that i've not mentioned obviously in the podcast but one of the things uh, that I work alongside my goalkeeping schools i created a sports brand um, and that's been hugely successful i sell goalkeeping products uh, goalkeeping gloves and it's one of the most successful goalkeeping gloves I yet i couldn't find them because we moved home and i wanted to get them out for this podcast and i do have them they're still in the bag and everything and i think no worries i thought they're, they're actually i forgot to bring them for this podcast i've actually all, all the gloves are in, in a warehouse which is like a good 90 minutes away but um but yeah so literally you know if anyone can sell online but anyone listening before they answer your question so you know, please get get online now because the powers that be are, are government. They've not got their greedy hands on the internet yet and screwed everything up. They, they will do it probably the next 10, 15, 20 years. So do it now, in your income now, get established now before the powers that be get it up, get, you know, get the greedy hands on it and screw everything up for everybody else. Um, obviously trying to go online. So the time is to do it right now. So make sure that you're listening to Chris and Sue because these guys really do know what they're talking about. And then to finally answer your question, Sue, yeah, professional athletes now are realising, hold hold on a minute, you know, what was it? You know, we've not got this, you know, we're we're not going to earn an income until we're, you know, 35, 40, 50 years of age. Obviously the 1% who get the million you know, two million, three million pound a year contracts. They're, they're okay, like you rightly said before. But ninety nine percent of professional athletes, uh, and again, I won't go into too much detail here. This is in the footballing world. I'm not too sure what's like in, in the in other sports. But within five years, uh, uh, within five years, I might be wrong, you guys, but along this along this line. Now, this is Premiership players with the multi millions. Within five years, I think it's something like sixty or seventy percent of them uh, are broke. Yeah. Now I forgot where I got that from. Now, guys, my statistics mightn't be uh, spot on there, so apologise if that slightly out. But within five years, the majority of Premiership players have lost all the money, and they're, they're the guys on the millions of dollars. So yeah. these guys who only might be only earning eighty, a hundred, one hundred and twenty thousand a year, which sounds a lot, guys, but as we know, it's not. Uh, you know, they've now realised I've got to do something. And, and they are now turning to the internet. And, you know, whether someone does something with me or with you guys, you've got to do it now because while you've got a following, and this is all very, very quickly, while these professional athletes, what they've got to realise is while you've got a, while you've got a following, whether it's 5,000 people on Instagram or 25,000 people, they've got to do it now because I promise you the moment they retire or get injured or their career stops, the following day, I promise you the following day, those 25,000 followers will be following someone else. Yeah, and then just absolutely look, right. You just lost opportunity. It's a brand, isn't it? It's a brand. You've got that spot on. And funnily enough, I've got the last thing I just want to mention on this because it actually is perfect at this point. We watched Peter Crouch on, t- on a TV documentary quite recently. Good, and he was talking about his age because he's not retiring, retirement age. He's younger. But he said... I'm looking now at while I'm healthy and wealthy and the adventures that I'm going to have now, which might 
otherwise have been my retirement adventures, yeah. why not do them now while I can, instead of waiting for that time in the future when I might not be healthy enough to, or even wealthy enough to. So we're really looking forward to watching what he's doing. Yeah. He's doing some amazing things. Because like. he's because he's now become effectively a television presenter. Yeah, and he's yeah. going to be jumping out. Yeah, he's going to be parachute <laughs> jumping and skiing and doing all sorts of things. And I'm, I think that's amazing. And I just want people to think about that as we come to the end of this this yeah. show and podcast and know that, if they get their mind in the right place, and that can be trained, as yes. you know, and as we know, anybody seriously can do anything in the world that they want, but they've got to want to do it enough to make them get off their, you know what, to do it. 100% agree with you guys. It's all to do with the mindset. And I'll leave you with this one, guys, because this is in goes in all adult life as well. We've helped thousands of goalkeepers achieve their dreams to become a professional goalkeeper. And it's not necessarily, in fact, for the most part, it's not the goalkeepers with the natural ability that make it professional. 98% of the time, guys, it's the average goalkeeper, but with the above average mindset. They're the ones that make it, the ones that are hungry enough and they get their mindset, even though, even though the ability as a goalkeeper is average, but because the mindset is above average and you can train your mind, like you can train having bigger arms, yeah. they're the ones, and I've seen that happen for two decades now doing Just For Keepers. It's a billion percent right, Susan, and anyone can develop the mindset, definitely. I, I, I know a good guy there who's got a load of books that teaches that. <laughs> but now, <laughs> a bit of a cheap plug there towards the end. But no, you're spot on, Susan. If your if you're, uh, clients and customers can get their mindset right, spot on, they can achieve their dreams and goals. Yeah, That's a perfect, perfect ending to today's web show and podcast. Ray, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we hope that we get a chance to meet for real very soon um, when this pandemic is over. And thank you everyone for watching and listening. And we will be back with another Living the Retirement Lifestyle show in the very near future. Thanks for Thanks watching. Thanks for listening. This is the Retirement Lifestyle Podcast with Chris and Susan Beasley.